You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 11 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley. And I'm Mindy Kearney. How are you doing today, Mindy? I'm good. I have something I want to talk to you about. <laughs> Great. What's that? Well, I listened to a, a podcast called uh, Control, Walt, Delete. Okay. It's a couple of guys that sit down and they talk about some technology things and that are going on. And it's done by Walt Mossberg and Nilay Patel from The Verge. And they have this issue that I think we kind of have had the issue in the past, whereby they never really know how to start their podcast. And they always have right. like different kind of introductions and stuff. And they try some things out, see what sticks, and then, you know, some sticks and some doesn't. So, right. yeah, so they had this idea whereby um, they thought they would just accept some introduction requests from their listeners. And if they wrote a decent introduction, they would read that introduction on the air. Really? Yeah, what do you think of that idea? So that's kind of interesting. So we, they, <laughs> have they tried it yet? Like what were some of the examples? Yeah, they've only done a couple. Um, and yeah. I can't think of enough words to describe them off the top of my head, but they're just something a little bit different, something a little quirky, something they wouldn't have come up with themselves normally. Yeah. So I, I thought maybe we could, we could try that and or maybe take this a step further, Mindy. Yeah. Because it inspired me and I thought maybe we could alternate because like, you know, usually I'm the one that starts off the podcast and I say this welcome and all the rest. And yes. And then you come in and say, and I'm Mindy Carney. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so what if we alternated it and but the twist okay. on this would be on the week that you introduce the podcast. I will write the introduction and you have to say whatever I write. And on the week that I introduce the podcast, you write the introduction and I will read whatever you write. Is this going to be like Jimmy Kimmel's like mean tweets? Like you have to read like, that's, that's good. That's a good twist. I like that. What do you think about that? You know, I write yeah, your introductions, you write my introductions. And you have to read it no matter what? Yeah. All right. Are there any rules to this? Well, we got to keep it professional. I mean, well, of course. I mean, other than I'm that, always I very professional. You know, we have to introduce the podcast. We have to introduce each other. But how we okay. do that, or in what style or genre? You know, oh, I, I have genre. A, I have a couple of ideas already, but I don't want to spill oh. the beans yet. Oh, great. Okay. No, you said genre, and my mind opened up too. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. No, I, I'm in. I'm You're in. in for that. Yeah. Right. All right. So we should work on that for, you know, kind of okay. our post-summer podcast that so we could yeah, right. uh, mix up a little Season bit. Season two. Yeah. Season two of EdTech Takeout. We will be writing the introductions that the other one must read. Yeah, that could be fun. It could be fun. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. It's good one, Wiley. There you go. See, every so often I, I do have some ideas that are worthwhile. You have good ideas all the time. All right. Give us some follow-up, Mindy. All right. So um, I guess... Following our Googleicious episode with Stacey Beamer, um, just what in the last week, right? In the last, not even week, couple days, um, Google Slides has added a new feature with uh, Google Slides question and answer. And so um, it's really great because it allows um, 
participants or audience members, I guess, to participate in kind of a back channel chat, sort of, so they can ask the presenter different questions. And then it's nice because you might remember way back when uh, Gina Rogers was with us for um, one-to-one and she brought up um, Go Soapbox. And so with Go Soapbox, one thing you can do is kind of vote up the question and Slides has done that as well. So um, people can like your question and it moves to the top of um, the list so that the presenter would see that question first and just allows the presenter to kind of get a feel for the room and also for attendees to ask questions, you know, without having to interrupt the flow of the conversation or I was, and you, and you used it, you used it like a couple of days ago. What'd you think of it? Yeah, I liked it. Did you ever use, um, Google moderator? No, no. I mean, it was, uh-uh. it was kind of similar to Google. It reminded me of Google moderator because that was like a, it was a standalone question platform um, where you could, you know, ask a question and everybody else could see the questions and you could vote up and down on questions and things like that. And yeah. it has a lot of that kind of characteristic to it. So did Google Moderator have it going along? One thing I think, although, you know, like the questions we ask you during your presentation, like you wouldn't necessarily want running besides your um slides. So what did Google Moderator look like before? Did you still have to go into a different screen like you do with the new question and answer? Yeah, you'd have it on like a separate tab. It was just like a separate yeah, right. website. And so you could go back and forth, kind of like if you had today's meet or Padlet yeah. or something like that running as a back chat. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the Q&A works pretty good. I, I thought I'd just, you know, the only way to test these things out is just to get up there and try it in front of a bunch of people. It. So I did it at Grant Wood and one of our uh, meetings that we were having and it, it seemed mm-hmm. to go pretty well. I mean, the questions I got from my team were <laughs> not perhaps the most insightful questions, but they were questions. <laughs> what were some of those well, questions? Um, well, people might not know this about you, but whenever we go out for lunch, you always order fish and chips. Yeah, that's true. And so we were asking you, like, what kind of fish do you prefer with your fish and chips? And oh, and my favorite one was, do you prefer to be called Dr. Wiley? Which is kind of an inside joke with the team. Yeah. Um, and really, I, I don't go he, by Dr. Wiley yeah, very often. No. Especially because no, I don't have a PhD. Because <laughs> you, you don't, you haven't really earned that title yet, but we like to call you Dr. Wiley. So, um, yeah, but it was just an opportunity for us to kind of see what it looked like too. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was great. Yeah. So it works on Mac, PC, um, iPad and Android as well. Um, by the time you hear this episode, it probably isn't going to be 100% new to you, but as we were recording right. it right now, it came out a few days ago. So, uh, we thought it'd be a good mention as a follow up for the last, uh, episode that we did. Well, yeah, cause teachers are super busy right now. So yeah, maybe. Sure. You know, they're they're busy with thinking about other things right now and not so much about what's new and great with Google. It's something good to try out over the summer if you're looking to yeah. try something new. Yeah. Speaking of trying something new, I think you have been using the Apple Pencil, Mindy. Is that right? I have. Just just for a little bit. So I am by no means an expert, but um, the team bought an Apple Pencil just to kind of give it a try and see what it looked like. So um, I tried that out last night and... Um, I've done a little bit of sketch noting. Um, I really love to just use um, paper and pen, um, but I wanted to give Apple Pencil a try and just see what I thought about it. And it's neat. I mean, it, it's it's nice. It's got um, it's got some weight to it, which is kind of interesting. It's much heavier to use than, it, let's say, like a you know, 
Yeah, it just looks like a plastic stylus, doesn't it? But yeah. it, you pick it up and yeah. it, it is got some yeah. solid weight to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the tip um is it kind of like I don't know. It's it's not like a soft or rubbery, I don't know. It's it's like a really solid really solid little tool. Yeah. Um and it's quite a fine so, point as well, isn't it? Quite quite a fine, yeah. not like a thick chubby kind of no, stylus. Right. Right. I would say it's and I haven't used the paper 53 pencil yet. I think it's a pencil, right? Um but that one looks more like a carpenter pencil kind of and this is more like a it has like a pen tip to it. Um so one of the things that I tried um messing with was just writing with it first and I did a little bit of drawing. Um but I finally what I really got into was um this app called Pigment and it's just like adult coloring books. Um and kind of used it for that and um just to kind of get used to using it. But I, I do feel like Apple Pencil is best used when you find an app or something else that you really enjoy all of the features within that and then pencil just kind of as an add-on to it. Right. Um, I didn't really want to spend any money on any apps being as I was just kind of playing with it, but um, I watched a few YouTube videos and stuff and um, it looks like there's some really neat stuff out there, but yeah, like last night I was just kind of giving it a try, but um, I, I think it's, it's got a specific market is what I would say about it. Yeah, I think it's it's a pretty niche um, audience for people that are going to be using the Apple Pencil. But um, I think for those people, there might be, there's, there's probably nothing better. But maybe for the rest of us, do we need a $100 stylus? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't so. I, I'm not convinced yet. Yeah, I'm not convinced yet either. But I'll, I'll definitely play with it a little bit more and... Um, yeah, I don't know. There's still something about paper and pencil to me. So um, it's going to take a little getting used to, that's for sure. All right, so we'll move on and look at our top five for this week, which is really part two of two, because in the last episode, we chose five of our favorite education blogs that we read. And we're going to follow that up with another five this week. So, Mindy, how about you uh, pick one from the list? What do you like? Um, I'll go with uh, Tony Vincent, Learning in Hand. Um, and the thing about Tony Vincent is he's kind of everywhere. Um, what I really follow the most of Tony Vincent is his Instagram because he puts out, I don't know if he's doing like a challenge right now, but he puts out like a post a day pretty much um, on Instagram about an ed tech tip. And um, if you were to go to his learning and hand blog, it's mostly ed tech tips. You're not going to find a lot of instructional strategies or pedagogy or anything like that. Wouldn't you agree, Jonathan? It's, I mean, it's primarily ed tech stuff. Primarily ed tech stuff, um, primarily iPad related stuff too, um, but not always. I mean, he is a big um, mobile device um, guru. So you get a lot of that stuff from him there. Yeah, he does like a really, like a really interesting job of like coming up with workarounds that I am always a little bit in awe of. Like, how did he know to? What was the other thing he was ju he just did the other day? Oh, it was something with green screen, right? And we're like, how in the world did he think to take that picture and put it into Keynote, and then added like all those annotations and different yes! things? Yes, like I mean, yeah. how did he think to put those things together and then came out with this really cool product? So. Um, I think you'll get some insightful ideas and just helpful hits, hints from him. 
um, it's just a good place to just go and check out every, you know, and, and find some cool stuff to do. So yeah, his Instagram account is kind of interesting. It's, you know, you look at some people's Instagram accounts and they just take pictures of where they go or pictures of their kids in their class, which is all great and things like that. But his are more like, you know, it, it's a tip framed as a really nice graphic and instructional ideas on how to do things, like you said. Yeah. Does he make all that stuff himself? Do you know? He does. Yeah. In fact, he yeah, just did a cool video stuff. recently on how he makes some of those things, like how he draws those things. And it basically revolves around like, you know, taking a picture and like tracing it digitally and then filling it all in. So he's got an animated video mm -hmm. that shows you how he does that stuff. So I bet he has an Apple pencil. I bet he probably does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look and see if I can find that video because um, I think Beth and I were just talking the other day like how does he make these graphics do you think somebody makes them for him or does he do it himself and of course well, he probably makes them himself but I'll have to look that up and see I think he's just a super talented guy yep yeah no kidding alright I will um, move from one talented guy to another and I'll pick uh, I like moving at the speed of creativity by uh, Dr. Wesley Fryer who we have mentioned once twice on the podcast in the past and uh, he has a great blog, and a lot of the things he does on there are are focused around media and the way people can use, you know, images and video and audio as part of uh, their teaching in the classroom. Dr. Wesley Fire is a technology director, hoping we'll catch up and say hello to him at ISTE. Um, but his blog is, is, is a really good read. He does a lot on digital citizenship as well and has a lot of really powerful ideas for teachers um i just i think it what maybe it was his last blog post was um about his daughter and how she has a youtube channel and how um it's really great for her to be out there um sharing you know her views about things or i don't know what the purpose of her channel is because i haven't looked at it you know what the focus is but um how also how terrifying it can be to have a you know a tweener on youtube open for criticism and comments and how he feels like the good outweighs the bad and the conversations they have to have. And um, it's just really insightful as a parent, you know, and as a teacher as well. So it's just a, it's just a good place to go. And, and I don't know, just think he's, he does a great job of kind of making you think, I think so. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so what else would you like to uh, recommend on this list here? Well, um, I'm going to go with, well, first I need to ask, how do I say this girl's last name? Chrissy Benostale? Let's go with that. That's how I would guess it. Yeah, right? Yeah. So um, I came across her blog and um, I don't, I haven't looked at it a ton, but what I thought was great about it is it's really about the maker movement in um, young classrooms. So um, pre-kindergarten to second grade, I think is mostly her focus, but um, it's just kind of what I love is that it's about pre-kindergarten too. There's some things in there about that, but, um, she's got great ideas. So implementation stuff. Um, sometimes I think in education, we get so caught up in the pedagogy that we forget to talk to people about how could you get started or what are some ideas of how you could take this back into your classroom. And I feel like she really has that. You could go there and get an idea that you could try tomorrow. And I love that. So. Yeah, she does a great job. I mean, uh, there's only so many, you know, maker blogs out there because it's a fairly recent thing. And, you know, sometimes those types of posts pop up on other blogs like on Edutopia and different places. But 
basically everything that she talks about is uh, related to the maker movement and how she does that in her classroom. And so she has some great images and things that she shares. I think she's also another good one to follow on Instagram and see the things that she does in her classroom. All right. So next one, what do you say? I'm going to pop over to the Discovery Education blog because I like a lot of the things they do over there. Um, lots of things going on there that are worth taking a look at. Um, not least just some of the people that they have that are blogging for them because you get people like Dean Shiresky and Kathy Schrock that are writing blog posts for Discovery. So you know that's going to be good stuff over there. But one of the other things I like is their SOS series, which is uh, short for Spotlight on Strategies. And these are Discovery education teachers that you know share learning strategies that you can use in the classroom. And they have a whole series of these. You can search through these and, and see them here. But um, just things you can try to achieve different things in, in your classroom. And some of them are based around, you know, using media and technology. And some of them are just, you know, good instructional strategies that you might want to take a look at. So they have lesson plans on here. They have, you know, ed tech ideas on here. They have, you know, things where it's a series called like Take 5, where you just have five minutes and usually it's a video on on things like that on their site. So I very much uh, like to pop by the Discovery Education blog every now and again because there are good things there from good people. Yeah, I think it's great that they bring in just some... Um people in education just to kind of write and add, you know, some articles or blog posts here and there. It's just a good place for people to go. Yeah. Great resource. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about the uh, Google certified programs uh, in the last episode with Stacy. Uh, Discovery have their own teacher certification program called the Dan Star program, the Discovery Educator Network Star Educators. So if you would like to become a Dan Star educator, then... Uh, that's something you can look into and we could maybe find a link for that for the show notes. Hmm. I will do that. All righty. All right. Last but not least, um, we have the principle of change by George Kuros. And um, I guess what I think is great about his blog is that it's, I always feel like it's inspirational. Like you go and you read about change and how to change things and um, it's more big picture than um, going to find instructional ideas. I think it's more just about how you feel about teaching or um, the environment of teaching. And it's just kind of a good place when you need, you know, not necessarily like a pick me up, but if you're feeling like something needs to change in your classroom, it'd be a good place to go to kind of maybe, um, I don't know, point your thinking in a different direction. Yeah, we had George Kouros at Grant Wood um, one afternoon, uh, in fact, one day, and he spoke with our administrators and he spoke with some teachers as well. And he has a lot of ideas about how we could change the way we do things in education. I think that's really the, the gist of what he's trying to do in, in his blog. He's trying to look at ways that we can modify our education system to, to make it even better for the, for the kids we teach. So um, if you're looking for other blogs, you can always go to teach.com. Um, and they have a um, list of blogs that you can take a look at if you're looking for some new reading material. And I'll make sure I link that in the show notes. But if you have a blog that you follow and you feel like really needs a shout out, please let us know on Twitter um, at Jonathan Weiler or at Team Carney. Or you can email us at podcast at GWAEA.org. And we would love to give that blog a shout out or even link it in our show notes as well.
All right. So next on for our main course today, serve to you piping hot. Finally, the long awaited episode about green screen in the classroom. Finally, we've been teasing about this episode for a long time. We thought it was a great way to wrap up our season. Jonathan Wiley, the master of green screen. Yeah, let's not go quite there. I mean, we've... Oh, we, let's be serious. You're just being sc- modest. We've talked You're about green modest. screen a lot, but I don't know if uh, we can justify the hype we've been giving it. So I, I hope this is a good episode, Mindy. <laughs> it's a good episode. It's a good episode. Everybody wants to know about green screen. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've never done green screen before, I mean, it it's a fairly basic concept where... By you're going to take a picture or a video of someone stood in front of a green screen. And after that, you are going to replace that green background with another picture or image. So um, it's very easy to do Or today. The technology exists to make this easier now than it ever has been. And you too can emulate what they do on TV and movies. So I'm going to ask you a question that I feel like people ask me a lot and I never really know the answer, but you probably do. So why does it have to be? I know it doesn't have to be green. Correct. It could be any color, but why do we use green most often? Yeah. So for the green color, I'm not entirely sure what the best answer for this is or what the correct answer is. I mean, I've heard different things, just something as simple as we as people don't wear green all that often. So it's not something that's going to you know, clash very easily with the background. Um, definitely in TV and movie, they do blue screen quite a lot as well. But I've also heard that green is something that doesn't actually clash very much with skin tones. And you get mm. better keying of the image when you use green because um, people's skin tones are not usually very green. And if they are, then they're probably not very well and they shouldn't be doing green screen. (laughs) And they shouldn't be green screening anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the plan. But it feels like, you know, we've done, our team has done a lot of green screen recently, haven't we? We've had that green screen out and we've been wearing it out and taking it in different Mm -hmm. places and doing it with first graders and fourth graders and all kinds of different people. Yeah, um, just lately, I guess uh, we've seen a lot of like weather reports because that's where we see it probably most often in our, you know, day to day lives is um, meteorologists using it during weather reports. So we've done a lot of that. Um, I did a whole news show where kids did different sections and features within a newscast. And then um, I know Gina did like fractured fairy tales kind of with um, some fourth graders at one of our schools here. Um, where the kids wrote their own fairy tale and then they kind of smashed all of the fairy tales together into one fairy tale. So just a lot of creativity and um, the kids get super, super excited and very engaged. It kind of brings what they have in their mind to life where before we could never do something like that. So Yeah, I mean, I used to do this when I was back in the classroom. You know, I taught fourth grade and uh, when we did social studies, we would inevitably assign each child a state of the United States yeah. to go and research and find out some things about and they would make some kind of PowerPoint or some kind of you know paper based you know trifold presentation of you know their state and all the information that they found but using things like green screen now opens that up to a, like a whole new world because you know your kids could be standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon talking about you know, the features and of that landform and how that integrates with the state that they are talking about. They can be stood next to the 
Statue of Liberty and any number of different things. So anywhere in time or space that you would like to go, any location you would like to go, you can do with green screen. I know. And uh, I've been kind of ribbing you lately because you don't know who Carmen Sandiego is. But I like to bring up that Carmen Sandiego could really work with the green screen, too, because the premise of the garment, Car- not the Garmin, the Carmen San Diego um, story is that she travels. She's like a world traveler and she always kind of leaves clues of where she is. So that could be something else that students could do is they could pick a destination and have that in their background and then give clues about where they are. And the students have to use the clues to um, come up with their mystery destination. Kind of like a, mis- a mystery Skype thing. Where you got to guess with the like other person? Like a mystery person sleep, is. I know. Yeah, that's true. Do you, th- yeah. do you think Carmen Sandiego is on Netflix? Yes. You do? Actually, I have no idea. Okay, I should look that up. I feel like Carmen Sandiego was around for quite a while, but it was a computer game to begin with. Oh, it was, and then it became a TV think, show. After I think that? that's how it started, and then they came up with a because it was um, like in the Oregon Trail kind of. Well, probably a little bit later than Oregon Trail, but I, I, I think the computer game came first, and then the show came later. If I remember correctly, but I can't be for certain. That's, so. that's fine. I'm going to add it to my list of cultural references that I am not 100% comfortable with. So yeah. yeah. So just Google it. You'll find something about her. Yeah. So yeah, it used to be a Saturday morning cartoon and also a game. Yeah, it's fine. Um, trying to think of some other things uh, that would work for green screen, even just in writing. Like um, one of the things I wish now that I you know, I'm no longer in the classroom is that I would have had a green screen in my classroom, even a small one, like a small little trifold presentation board green screen so that the kids could just go into that space. First of all, just to play and create. Um, I just feel like we don't have enough of that for our kids. We've gotten away from that in our classroom specifically, but also just to use it as a writing prompt, like to create a picture of yourself in some, you know, imaginary place that you really want to go and then and to tell about it and see kids get a little bit more excited about writing. That was one of my weaknesses always was teaching writing. So I think it would be a great asset to a writing center or writing space in your classroom. Yeah, and I've got this uh, video that I'll, I'll link to in the show notes as well. I thought it was a really interesting one. It was the kids were working on something in, in class and, you know, how they have these open house where the parents can come in and, and see everything that they worked on. They did like a kind of a video invitation for parents and they talked about the things that they were going to do and so they could put whatever they wanted behind them to give like some, some ideas of the things they would see. So that was kind of like a, almost like a video newsletter or a video flyer that they sent home and they, they mm-hmm. used green screen for that too. Yeah, that's a good idea. I never thought about that before. Hmm. All these great ideas, yeah. Yeah, so maybe we should uh, jump in a little bit and talk about, yeah. you know, the the process that's involved in this. Um, we do a lot of our green screening on the iPad, but we're going to try and keep this as multi-platform as we can. We'll, we'll give you different options. We're not going to talk just iPad-specific uh, today but because it can be done on other devices with other cameras. But um, our general process that we usually adhere to is along uh, the lines of we script, we shoot, we edit, and we share stuff out. Yeah, so I think the um, scripting thing is probably the most important. And maybe as a teacher where you would get the most frustrated if you didn't give the kids the opportunity or help kind of organizing a script. So green screen in its entirety is once again digital storytelling. And we all know how I feel about the title or the label of digital storytelling. But 
Um, it's so important for those students to get an opportunity to kind of sit and plan, figure out, you know, what pictures will be in the back, what will they say, and then practicing that over and over and over. Well, not, I mean, don't be redundant, but, you know, to give the kids plenty of time to practice so they feel comfortable and are willing to get, you know, kind of into character. If we don't give enough time to practice, then it just becomes them reading something off of a you know, teleprompter or off of a whiteboard or something like that. So giving them plenty of time to practice, I think, kind of heightens their um, the quality of the project as well. Yeah, and it's I think it's fair to say that, you know, when you tell your class, hey, we're going to do a green screen, they're going to go, woohoo, and they're going to all want to start doing the green screen part. But uh, the scripting is maybe not the most fun part of that project, but it is right. an important part of that project. There's a, there's a book I read as part of my master's program called Digital Storytelling in the Classroom by Jason Oller. And there's a quote in that, that that sticks out in my head. And I'm just going to share that with you here. He said, stories without digital work, digital without stories doesn't. And it's the special responsibility of teachers to ensure that students use technology to serve the story and not the other way around. So we really need that that story element there. If you're if you're not scripting things out and making sure that the things that you really want to tell in the story um, are there, then it just becomes uh, just something fun, something cool in front of the green screen, which is fine sometimes. But uh, at the end of the day, you know what are your what are your learning objectives? What are you having the students trying to convey and tell us with with green screen? Yeah, and I I do think that sandbox time is so important for kids to you know kind of have the ability to just be silly with it and have fun with it because when that sandbox time is over, then it's time to work and they focus less on the actual tool and more about, you know, the product that needs to be created. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point. So important to kind of keep them focused on what the, what the actual objective of the of the lesson is or whatever. So Yeah, and as, um, as the scripts come into fruition and start to be getting towards completion, there's something that we also like to dabble with a little bit, and that is teleprompter apps that you can get for mobile devices. So um, mm-hmm. if you have the option even to have an iPad or a mobile device somewhere, there is the ability to have a teleprompter app where you can type your script into it and it will scroll up and down so that you can read it from a distance. I mean, the other way to do that is just take like big sheets of paper and, and line it up and have these big cue cards that the students mm-hmm. read from. But uh, the teleprompter apps are kind of cool and it adds a little air of authenticity as well, I think, because, you know, that's what the uh, the news reporters do and the weather forecasters and everybody else. They're reading off these teleprompter cues. So there's a few of those that we can uh, link to in the show notes that we like and uh, free ones and paid ones. Yeah. Um, so I know I've used a teleprompter before, but I feel like as an adult, I do pretty well of like keeping up with the teleprompter. Aren't there teleprompter apps though that kind of listen for your voice and find your pace and then move with the pace of your voice or not? Am I just making that up in my head? No, there is one. There's one in particular I think that, that does that pretty well and it's called Prompt Smart Pro for the iPad. Okay. Um, it is reasonably expensive. I believe it's going to be somewhere around $10. But, what? well, I know, but that kind of technology is pretty unique. And yeah, sure. As you turn it on and get your script ready, it listens for your voice. And as you read, it somehow recognizes what you're reading against what you typed into the app and will scroll it automatically, which I think, especially for those younger kids, 
is is really important because sometimes you set the teleprompter speed too fast and yeah. then you've lost it and then you're just like whoa, whoa, whoa stop okay let's do it again and take yeah, two right. you're retaking and retaking and retaking yeah reshoots yeah yeah, yeah. oh a reshoot i apologize Use the correct term. I don't even know if reshoot is a correct term, but it's oh, yeah, it it's came a, out of my a mouth right term. now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the script is created. Yep. Like we said, then we get to the shooting part of it. Yep. Have to have the green screen. Yeah, you need a green screen, and that can come in different forms. I mean, we've seen all kinds of different green screens, haven't we? Right. Yeah. Um. Like I said, the tripod or the trifold. Just the cardboard, um, you know, is is pretty cheap. I mean, those come they can't be more than five dollars, I wouldn't think. Um, and then you can buy, uh, you know, just a green screen online. I, they're not too expensive either. Just the piece of fabric, right? I mean, like forty dollars. Yeah, and I mean, you could go to the fabric store and and get some yeah. green fabric. Um, I've seen, you know, you you can paint walls if this is something you're interested in doing a lot. You can paint a wall in a really dull matte. Um, non-reflective green paint mm-hmm. and you can use that for sure um, yeah there the other day when I was at a school we were doing this and she said oh my gosh we just painted my room green is this gonna work in my room it's like well maybe yeah there's <laughs> a good chance she it could, was so yeah. excited yeah <laughs> so um, and then lights of course aren't necessary but you have to be kind of be careful too about where you set up your green screen in your room. So you want to make sure there's no like weird backlighting. So up against the wall is always the best place. And then some overhead light too, right? I mean, you want to avoid as much shadow as possible when using the green screen. Yeah, you want a kind of a consistent kind of color hue so that, you know, you're basically got the same kind of green all over because otherwise you will get some like fuzzy parts of your yeah. of your green screen showing through and that kind of spoils the illusion a little bit and is yeah. a little frustrating for, for you and, and for probably for the kids as well. But uh, so, I mean, if you find that you're getting that, and you have the option to move your green screen to a different wall or a different kind of lighting situation, then try that. It could make all the difference sometimes. You, There's somebody, too, that does, like, pizza boxes, right? Like, paints the inside of a pizza, bo- pizza box, so I could say it. Pizza box, and then just uses, like, finger puppets and stuff, right? Yeah, I've seen that on Twitter. They, you know, paint yeah. the inside of a pizza box, and then you've just got, like, a pop-up, fold-away green screen that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the example I saw was from a teacher that, you know, the kids made these cutout kind of characters and they put them on like green gardening canes and dangled them in front of the uh, the camera and moved them around. Mm-hmm. And because these little puppet things were on these green sticks, you know, that's going right. to key out in the background as well. And you're just going to see these floating characters in a cartoon mm-hmm. background somewhere. Right. And even just like um, green manila folders. Is Manila the color or is that the kind? I don't know. But like just a green folder would work as well for the same sort of thing. Just like a small little finger puppet or the only thing about the greens then, like you talked about, um, and I did this too, or I painted yardsticks green. And how close do the greens have to match to, does that make a difference? Like if you have a green like painted stick compared to the green screen behind you, do those greens have to be almost identical or can it be you know, a variation of green. I think you'll probably want to get them as close as you can. So, I mean, if you're doing things like uh, painting and in the inside of a 
pizza box or something like that, then use that paint on your sticks as well. And then right. you'll know it's going to be a very similar green because otherwise you get into the situation where, you know, we're talking about like those shadowy areas where you get like some dark green and you get some light green. And, you know, there is a there is a tolerance for different, you know, shades, but it's only only so far. Yeah. And then microphones. Yeah, microphones. Um, They're they're kind of important. You know, I when when we were in the classroom this last week, and um, actually Gina and I were both in one classroom trying to run two green screens at one time, so we had like 18 kids in one classroom. We definitely should have had some microphones for sure. I know, because it's it's the kind of thing you you tell kids, you go, and they practice it, and they practice it, and they know their lines and stuff, and you say, you've got to speak up in a big voice now. But then they're Mm -hmm. standing in front of a camera, there's people looking at them, and they get all shy, and then suddenly that big voice turns into a little voice, and that's when you need the microphone just to to help boost that volume. And and also just because, you know, if you're setting up an iPad or a camera or something, you know, they're going to be at least two, three four feet maybe away from the the person who's talking and the further away you are then the quieter the volume gets so yeah and, and you don't necessarily need like a microphone right didn't um who just i don't want to steal somebody's idea i know that this was just like a blog poster i think you had shared it too that just giving them like your phone and recording the audio you know in front of them that it doesn't require an actual microphone but just taking that audio then right and and adding it to the movie would make a huge difference. Yeah, I did see that somewhere, and it it was somebody who um, used the voice memo app on their phone, right. and they just like turned on the voice memo app, and they like put their phone in their pocket, uh, like a shirt pocket or something, and then they talked. Mm-hmm. The only thing about that is that you're going to have to sync up your video and your yeah. audio later, and you know not everybody's comfortable doing that, but that's that is right. an option if you don't have a microphone around and you're doing a recording of yourself or. Or some students, then you know you could record the audio separately and then lay that under the video in an editing app later. Yeah, so maybe a little bit more complicated than I was originally just thinking. Now, yeah, you, that's true. If you want to challenge, try it out. Yeah, no kidding, syncing that up with the like. It, just it could be it could be fun work. for like yeah. a, a kung fu movie when you know the yeah right. <laughs> it works really well. Yeah, perfect. You don't have to worry about syncing <laughs> it up. Just like deliberately not sync it and. Yeah. So, um, what else? What else would do you need? We've got. We talked about um, the green screen, the camera. Lights are kind of optional. Mics are kind of optional too. So, um, gotta, how how do you actually make it work? Yeah, we got to move into the apps and talk about um, something that's going to remove the green from your from your background. And on the iPad, there's there's a few different apps that you can use. Uh, one of our favorites is Green Screen by Doink. That is t- really our go-to app for for green screen and one that we use the most and the one that we found is the most reliable for the things that we do but um, ios specific it is ios specific (laughs) yes it only works on ipads and iphones um also on the ipad side of things there's an app called vscope or vscope Lite. so there's two versions a free version and a paid version the free version puts a watermark on your video 
And another mm-hmm. one that I like that I I just I this is on my list, Mindy. I have to spend more time with this app because I'm I don't. I know what you're gonna say, and I'm so intimidated by this app. Like I go in there and I'm like, what is happening? There's so much happening in here. I know, but it, it <laughs> it's Touchcast and Touchcast Studio. I think it's called. It's just one yeah. of those apps that I really think I need to just force myself to sit down and use. I mean, I have used it in the past, but I feel like I'm only scratching the surface with some of the things it does because it's such a powerful app. And yeah, it is you free. Can change, like camera angles, right, and stuff. And yeah, they just came out with a new a new yeah. app that's like a companion app, so you can have like two iPads running together, and yeah. one on a different angle, and you can switch between the different cameras. But yeah, I don't know. It does so much. It's got all these interactive video apps and things. And we talked about it, I think, for the creativity um, episode yeah. that we did. But Touchcast also does green screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize this until just this last week. Amber brought it to my attention that in iMovie, you can do green screen too. On the Mac, I had no idea. Yeah, iMovie in the Mac is, um, I think it's had green screen for a little while now. So if you don't have iPads and uh, you just have like a standard video camera, digital camera or something, you can record those in front of a green screen and bring it into iMovie in a Mac and, and do it on there. Yeah, because I also, just this last week, so we were doing so much green screen stuff, I've learned a ton, which is what's so great about getting out into classrooms and actually doing it um, with kids and in the moment, is that you don't necessarily have to take the picture in front of the green screen. So you can, or you can in front of the green screen, but you don't have to overlay the picture, right? Like I always thought that it had to, you had to make the picture all at one time. So you had to do one layer of the picture you want it to be and then take the picture with the students in front of it, but you don't actually have to do that. You can take, do those steps at different times. Yeah, you can uh, just shoot in front of the green screen and then bring it into the editor later and, and add the backgrounds that way. Is that what you mean? Yeah, my mind was blown. I was like, really? I know. Oh. Just the little Jeez. things that make it a little more convenient sometimes. Cause yeah, no kidding. It, it, Much more convenient. It's just sometimes quicker just to shoot in front of the green screen. Okay, we'll worry about backgrounds and everything else later. We have a rough idea yeah. of what we want and then just, yeah, shoot it and go. Yeah. Mm. That, was, that, was a, that was definitely a tech nugget for me this week. All right. Well, there you go. An early yeah. tech nugget. Nothing wrong with yeah, that. Right. <laughs> uh, keep going with the apps here. We've got, uh, if you're using Chromebooks or, you know, even a Mac or a PC, and your school happens to subscribe to the premium version of Wii Video, then you can edit green screen inside of Wii Video. Uh, I know that service has free and paid accounts, but if you use the paid account, you will get access to green screen editing. It's not available in the free account, but uh, Wii Video is an option for Chromebook users, but also for Mac and PC, because it is on the web at WiiVideo.com. Um, and then Camtasia, which is, that one's kind of an expensive, isn't it? Isn't Camtasia kind of expensive for video editing or not? That can be an expensive option. Yeah. yeah. For screencasting, uh, but it works but on Mac and PC. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's really good. It is. It is <laughs> I really good. like Camtasia a lot. Yeah. It take, um, takes some time to learn, but once you, you learn the ins and outs of it, it's, it's kind of addictive. Yeah, I hadn't used it ever until I started working at Grantwood AEA, and I think we used it like right away when I first started working here. And oh my gosh, I was lucky that I was like in a room by myself when I was using it because I did get pretty frustrated here and there. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> what are all? Why does it keep doing this? But yeah, so it it has a little bit of a learning curve, but it's kind of a fun one to use. Um, and the, I don't know. Do we want to keep sharing some? Yeah, we'll do a couple more. Okay, a couple there's, more? There's, a, okay. there's a similar one for the Mac called ScreenFlow. I won't talk about it All much, right. but it's basically very similar to Camtasia. 
If you have access to the Adobe Creative Cloud Suite, I am kind of fond of my Adobe apps, then uh, Adobe Premiere or Adobe Premiere Elements for Mac or PC also have uh, green screen editing functions on there too. We love Adobe. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I get good stuff. All right, so probably um, we're going to bring up digital citizenship just a little bit because where do you get these pictures from, right? So you don't have to just do pictures. I think I keep saying pictures, but you can also do um, small little bits of video as well, which makes it kind of fun to make it look like the picture behind you is moving and interactive. Um, Grantwood AEA has purchased um, iClipArt for all of our school districts. Um, so if you're within our, and actually the state of Iowa, I should say, right? Yeah, I think, I, I think, I don't think it's Grantwood. I think it's the state of Iowa. Think, yes, yeah. right. So state of Iowa, I apologize, um, has, um, the ability to go into iClipArt just through the Iowa AA online. Um, and all of those pictures are free to use. Super easy just to, um, go in and, and take one of those. And then one of our um, favorites is Pixabay. And Pixabay has added videos. We don't really know how long they've been there, right? I think they've probably always been there. We just haven't found them. But yeah, you can do an advanced search in, at pixabay.com and you can uh, search only for videos. And they have a lot of stock video footage that you can just drag into uh, to your projects because all of their mm-hmm. media on there is what's called CC0. It's Creative Commons 0 which means you do not have to cite it. You don't have to give attributions to anybody. I mean, it's always good practice to do that, but you don't have to. You can use all that stuff for free. It's uh, open for you to use. Yeah, and um, did I just see that they're going to have an app? I did just see that too. So they're building an app uh, for mobile devices. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, And then you'll have to talk about this one um, because I haven't looked at MakerBook for a while, but MakerBook.net? Yeah, MakerBook.net is kind of a collection of all those free sites. So if you're looking for free images, it's kind of like a directory of free image sites, and then they have a directory of free video sites and a directory of free audio sites and just sites where you can go and get stuff for free and not have to worry about copyright. So they they collect and uh, archive all that stuff on there. So if you haven't been to MakerBook.net, give that a try and i will i will link to a a video i did recently too because when you're talking about images this is fairly easy to do like on on mobile devices and download images to your to your device but on an ipad for instance if you wanted to download a video from one of these open free sites like pixabay and things like that it's a little bit harder because apple doesn't currently let you just download videos to the camera roll uh, so there's a bit of a workaround for that. There's an app that uh, I like to use for that, and I will link to that in the show notes. Are you going to tell us what the app is, or are you just going to keep it a secret? The app is called Documents 5 by Riedel, and it's a free app. It's basically a file manager, and it lets you uh, organize files on your iPad. It gives you that file structure that Apple doesn't let you have access to, so um, it's a good one. Yeah, I watched a little screencast on that. I had never seen that before. Learned something new today. Oh, well, there you go. Feel free to share. Mm-hmm. Um, any other things you can think of? So, yeah, I mean, you'll find that when people start to experiment with green screen, it, it, I think it brings out all kinds of creative 
juices in people because uh, they they start to do some different fun stuff. Like uh, you'll 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 quickly find students experimenting with if you have an extra green screen cloth that if you wrap it around your head, then your body becomes transparent and you have a floating head. <laughs> Oh, the wrapping it around your body. The floating head effect. Very popular. Very popular with kids. Yes, it was. Yeah, I I, I did a video (laughs) once actually where I decided not to put my green screen on the wall. I put my green screen on the floor instead. Oh, yeah, right. And I put like a a piece of wood along uh, my green screen and mimicked tight rope walking across a busy cityscape so if you get the right picture um underneath that it looks like you are like looking down on something as opposed to standing in front of something so that can produce some interesting effects as well um so something else you can do too is having like green boxes or have boxes that are covered in cloth for other floating effects or to make it look like you're standing behind something or um you can set your you know like so imagine you have a desk or something like that you can Make it look like you're sitting behind a news desk or something instead of, um, you know, just standing in front of the picture. It makes you look like you're more in the picture, like a Mary Poppins picture. Yeah. Pop into the picture. Mm-hmm. I saw a fun tweet from one teacher who uh, had a bunch of boxes at different heights and there are kids dressed in spacesuits reading a, a book. And it looked like they were floating around in space oh, reading cute. a book. So that was kind of fun one. I saw the before and the after picture, so you can see what they did to do that. But yeah, just uh, some creative ways to, to do things like that. And, uh, <laughs> That's a great idea. And you'll see a lot of, uh, I'm seeing more and more stop motion green screen. Yeah. Have you ever tried anything like that, Mindy? No, I haven't ever even done stop motion. That is definitely on my list it's probably not going to get to it uh, this this uh, school year, but next school year for sure, I'm going to try and get some stop motion going for myself just to get some experience under my belt and then hopefully um, share it with some teachers. So Yeah, and it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, just shooting things in front of the green screen and putting the backgrounds in later because I saw one just, uh, just the other week there where a teacher just took like a roll of green paper and just rolled mm-hmm. it out in front of the desk, and the kids had like little Legos and things that they were doing as as part of their stop motion mm-hmm. movie. So yeah, just shoot that with the iPad or your camera or whatever you have, and then add in the background later. And very fun. Yeah, it's a great idea. So it's really important, as we always talk about. It's really important to share these things out. So you can't just keep it on the iPad; you have to share it out. Um, and you know. I think we've talked about a lot of the sharing things already. Um, YouTube, Vimeo, um, Drive, Google Drive, Dropbox, OneDrive, all of those things. Giving people access and um, parents the ability to see what their students are doing or, you know, sharing it even on a broader spectrum, um, Twitter, things like that. It's really important to share what the kids are doing and getting it off the iPad. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, you you can, you've still got privacy options when you're, when you're sharing online into the cloud, you know, on YouTube, you can make it only people with the link can see it. Vimeo gives you password options if you want to password protect videos. And, you know, inside a drive and Dropbox, you can share with specific people. Um, so don't be afraid to share because you can you can still lock down these things and have some control over, over who sees what. So are there any other things that we feel like we, you know, are kind of necessary or top tips that we have? Um, tripod for sure, right? Pretty important to have a tripod so the picture is not moving all over the place. Gives you more of a steady hand, especially dealing with students. Um, they're much more capable of 
um, taking good footage with a tripod, then maybe they would be just handheld. Yep, definitely uh, use a tripod, keep things steady and upright. Uh, also, don't wear green. Oh, that's kind of important. That's that's tip number one. That should be we tip should number one. Not like one of the last <laughs> tips, but uh, yeah, it, we should have led with that one. We should have led mm-hmm. with don't wear green. Yeah, but even like um, like yellow sometimes doesn't do great in front of green too. It's got to be something to do with the hues, would be my guess. Yeah, because sometimes you get clothes that don't quite work with the green screen very well. Yeah, anything that's got like, I don't know, shades of green in it, yellowy green, or even if you have like a white shirt, but it has green letters on it, then the green letters are going to be see-through as well. So maybe have like a... a Well, technically they're not (laughs) see-through. Well... (laughs) (laughs) It's not like x-ray vision. No, it's not x-ray vision, but you can see through them to the background. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'll give you that. That's fine. Okay, let's go with that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I would say like dark shirts are probably your best, right? When you say like a black or navy blue or... Yeah, or just have like a couple yeah. of uh, extra sweaters or something on yeah, hand sure. that you could just like throw on a kid if you needed to uh, because they mm-hmm. forgot to dress accordingly on the day of your big shoot. Right. We didn't even talk about props. Props are fun too. You know, things that would go with different scenes or having the kids bring in costumes or whatever that you know, makes it look even more authentic. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Um, anything else you can think of? Oh, I think that's probably mm-hmm. about enough for now. Um, yeah, I would think so too. We've covered a lot of bases here. I mean, we do do a lot of green screen. So if you have questions or anything you would like to ask us about green screen, feel free to get in touch. You can email us podcast at gwaa.org and we will be happy to help you out in any way we can. All right, that brings us to the end of our show, Tech Nuggets. All right, so I have something new that is going to be very hard for me to explain, and it's called Form Box. It's called Form form Box? Form Box. Okay. And what it is is it um, has a really strong vacuum in it, okay? So imagine that there's this really strong vacuum at the bottom of this mechanism, right? And let's say I want to make um, a, uh, what do I want to make? I want to make just a block, okay? So I take a block that I already have and I set it on top of the vacuum. Yeah. So then what I do is take a piece of plastic that comes with it. I think you have to buy them like in a set. And I put that piece of plastic like over top of my block and I turn the vacuum on and the vacuum sucks the plastic down and around the block so that when it's done, I can pull that piece of plastic off and it's created a mold that is exactly the same shape as my block of wood. So it's almost a bit like those um, vacuum sealers you get for food where you put the thing in and it goes... Whoosh, and it... Yeah, yeah, kind of, except, you know, when you take the plastic off, then it's, you know, identical to the shape that you've placed on it. So then you can create another block, let's say like out of cement or out of chocolate or melted crayon or something like that. So um, it's taking something that is already created and then making it with like a new substance. Right. So instead of like 3D printing an object, it yes, it creates the mold that you can fill yes. with whatever material you would like to solidify and right. create it that way. Yeah. That's kinda it's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, that is interesting. 
Does it do like large and small objects or? Um, I think it's pretty new. It's still in Kickstarter, so it's not. Um, I, I'm sure there's going to be some changes to it. Um, so I I haven't seen anything about what size you can put in there. I from the gifts that I've seen or this little video that's here, it's nothing big. I mean, you can't make like, you know, like a block of wood even might be too deep. You know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just thought like in a makerspace, it would be kind of fun like to let kids, you know, create different things with different materials, and then you know which materials stood up best to these kinds of effects. You know, like if you made a block out of cement compared to a block out of crayon, you know, which one of those are better and why and why did it work? Be- you know what I mean? So I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an interesting little twist. It's uh, three hundred twenty nine dollars right now for. Um, the actual mechanism and then like 20 sheets of plastic or something like that. And then you can buy the, the sheets of plastic you can refill, but yeah, I don't know. Something different. I'm kind of curious. Uh, Yeah. I like that. I wonder if that's going to be disrupting the 3d printer market or not. I don't know. Hmm. Only time will tell. I guess so. Yeah. All right, Mindy, for my tech nuggets, I have some things to share with you here. And I'm going to go with a couple here. I got a couple of things I want to talk about. And they're based on the premise that if I had the opportunity to do anything else and retrain to do a different job, not that I really have any uh, desire to do this, but I think it'd be fun to be a graphic designer. And you'd be so good at it. I don't have any skills for it, but I think I've got... You do too. You're very good at that. I think I, I appreciate good design and I know what I think looks good, but I have a lot of trouble, you know, generating those ideas and creating those ideas. So one it's of the... because you're so particular. I am very particular. Yeah, I, I used to do photography and I stopped doing photography because every picture I took, I looked at and I thought... I should have done this. Why didn't mm-hmm. I move here? Why didn't I see this in the background? Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of particular. Yeah. yeah. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. So to get some creative elements, I um, found this app recently on a, an article I read on Forbes. It was apps that will make you a better designer, even if you're not one. And the app is called Design Hunt. And it's just a, a nice kind of way that they curate good design from all kinds of different sources and they put it into this kind of tiled uh, magazine format where you can just scroll through things and see all kinds of different designs and get inspired by different fonts, different website layouts, different things that people are creating and get some good design sense going forward. So I thought that was kind of an interesting app worth sharing. It's available for the iPad. They do have a beta version on the web that you can check out. And if you like Chrome extensions, they have one whereby if you open a new tab in Chrome, you see the latest trending design images that they have curated on there too. So it's kind of an interesting one. It's called Design Hunt. Uh, my other design pick for today is Adobe Post, which has been around for a little while on the iPhone, but I have it on good authority, Mindy, that by the time people are listening to this podcast, it will be available for the iPad as well. They are adding iPad support to Adobe Post. Is this because you asked for it? Because I saw, I did you um, tweet them the other day and say, what do you say, Adobe, let's get this going? Yeah, and they said, stay tuned, it'll be here in two weeks. 
Oh my gosh. I, I don't think... Dr. Wiley in the house. <laughs> I don't think that they thought, hey, that's a good idea. Let's start working on it. I bet we could do it in two weeks. <laughs> we got it done in two weeks. <laughs> but... Maybe. Yeah, it's something that they... When Dr. Wiley makes a request, things start to happen. Yeah, it's already been part of the road plan, I'm going to guess, on that one. Have you tried Adobe Post before? No, I don't even know what it is. Okay, so if you've, you've used Canva, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of similar to Canva in, in very similar ways. So you can choose the size of the image that you would like to have, whether it's for social media or for a poster or something else. And then you bring in mm-hmm. images and you layer you layer uh, text on top of that. So it is a really super nice and interesting app. And we are fond of our Adobe apps, as we have said in the past. Yeah. They even had this... So- Go on. Hold up, hold up. I know you don't like to play favorites, but what's better about it than Canva? I don't know if there's any differences that make me think one is better than the other. I would maybe use some for for different purposes. Canva has more kind of uh, built-in templates, but one of the things I like about Adobe Post is that, you know, they have like color palettes and themes. Uh So that even if you Mm -hmm. choose a layout you like, you can come in here and choose like automatically choose different color variations based oh. on um, you know the built-in color templates that they have. Because you, you had an app that you liked that chose different color palettes, didn't you? Yeah, Adobe Color. Adobe Color, yeah. So I think it yeah. takes some of that kind of uh, learning on there and gives you some pre-selected color palettes that you can oh, use to, nice. to remix your... All right, and I'll have to look at that one now too. Yeah. And just very quickly, they had this um, thing where the posted on Instagram that I did only saw on the two guys on an iPad blog. And they have a web version that they are trialing, which I think is kind of interesting because it's not just a web version of Adobe Post. It's kind of like they put Adobe Slate in there too because you can do pictures mm. and you can do stories and then you can do videos. And it's just kind of an, a really nice online publishing platform. So we could put a link to that in the show notes too. Okay. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our show and the end of our tech nuggets for now. I feel like we have a lot of information for people in this show. It's a slightly longer episode than normal, and the show notes are probably going to be slightly longer than normal as well. Ah! I knew you'd love that, Mindy. <laughs> I also feel like maybe we should tell people we're going to take a we're going to take a short summer siesta, a little break over the yeah. summer here, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We're going to come back with season two, hopefully um, in July, maybe get back on a little bit more of, well, a little bit more of a regular um, schedule. We, we, we'll we be back in August for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll pop in, in an episode or two maybe in July, but yeah. definitely by August we'll be back on our, our normal schedule and start pumping out more episodes for you. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. So even over the summer, if there's something new you want to hear about, tweet us. We'll put it on the list. Yeah, contact us on Twitter. Um, I am Jonathan Wiley and Mindy is Team Carney. You can also use the EdTech TO hashtag to get in touch with us or send us an email to podcast at gwaea.org. So until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast. 